social media posts are great. I think uh, Instagram posts are great. But what I don't want to do as a human being is I don't want to stop at a, 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 a black square on Instagram. Like, yeah. I think I think that's a great place to start, but if that's all the further we are going and continuing this conversation, we're, we're missing the mark by miles, by miles. So um, one of the things I want to do is um, where we live, there is just... The African American population, the black community, is not really prevalent. You know, we're, we live kind of in between Sioux Falls and Omaha, and Omaha has a really big population community there. But we're still, we, we, you know, we're an hour and a half from there, and so I think a lot of times people want to say, "Well, we don't need to address this, or we don't need to talk about it because it's not really in our community. You're not really." We're not really exposed to it as much, and I think um, it's time that we kind of turn our eyes to what's going on in the rest of the world, even though it might not be like hitting so close to home. And the way that I've looked at it, I guess, before we get started here, is um, so statistically, the world by 2045, the world white people will be the minority. Yeah. And the way that I that I've seen it, Trevor, is it's not necessarily, it's, it's going to, it's honestly going to look more like you. Yeah. yeah, you know, biracial, some level that, and then I, and I start to personalize it. And where I think uh, people, like where we're at, really miss the mark sometimes, not all the time, because there's a lot of good people, and it doesn't mean that these people are bad, you know, it's just like, we just want to get educated, we want to learn and unlearn some things, and one of the things that... Um, that I see that hits home close to me is, look, I could send my daughters or my son to Joplin, Missouri, like I did. I probably won't, but to somewhere like that to go to school where they're exposed to a broader base of people, right? Yeah. Not only that. Okay, so they get married. <clears throat> okay? My daughter marries a black man. Okay? Then my grandkids are are partially black. Yeah. Okay, when I try to put myself in their shoes, like, that, that's, like, then that, that really becomes something that even more so burns in my heart to advocate for because it hits really close to home. Because yeah. it's in your family now. And I think, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if we can all put ourselves in each other's shoes like that, but I think we should. And also, before we start, I want to say that I'm not an expert. I'm not the white knight. I'm not somebody that's coming in here saying, everybody, you you need to, I'm going to put my thumb down on you, and you need to do this. No, like, this has got to come from your heart. you got to have an open heart to hear this. And this isn't something that I'm uh, trying to rake people over the coals for, I guess, because, I mean, this has been a journey for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. and so... 
I just want to say that because I, I just see a lot of people talking to people. And I, don't, I don't know. Maybe this is more of a, uh, like let's have a conversation. And, and so, yeah. I mean, the, the basis for this, Trevor, is honestly, uh, I heard stories. You know, I remember we went and played basketball together. I'd hear stories, and it was almost, it was almost as in a joking manner. Like, oh man, that's, yeah. that's racist, or yeah. Yeah. or we you you'd come back from an experience wherever we were and be like, dude, that guy's racist, and we just kind of joke and laugh and be like, what? And now I'm beginning to see, you know, now I'm beginning to see. Holy smokes! And if I were to put myself in your shoes. I don't know if I would have handled it the same way, you know. And so, um, maybe just take us through some of those experiences that you've had in your life, just so that we can really grasp it, put some teeth into it. Yeah. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, thanks for having me on, and then uh, for both of you guys, just uh, thank, thanks for being transparent and honest. And I think in order for us to have these conversations. Uh, it's a two-way street. Uh, we kind of talked about it earlier. Yeah. Um, in order for you to 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 ask these questions, the posture has to be inviting. And so I'll give you an example. Um, when all this broke out last last week over George Floyd, <clears throat> in my small group, um, we have a Facebook Messenger group, and um, we were taking prayer requests. And one of the members uh, went into this big, long spiel about what he thought uh, about the, the incidents and this and that, and and I really didn't read it. I skimmed it, I would say, and I and I and I looked at something that had something to do with Trump and the politics <laughs> and all of this. And so my initial response, my reaction mm-hmm. was anger. And I texted some of the guys in the group. I said, "Yo, I'm out of this group. Get me out," you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a buildup from weeks yeah. of just seeing George or days anyway of George Floyd. Uh, Ahmed mm-hmm. Aubrey, uh, mm-hmm. I hope I'm, I'm not butchering his name, uh, but the brother that you know that was yeah. uh, killed jogging. Um, the lady in Central Park, yeah, uh, wow. who was blatantly using her whiteness in order to <laughs> convict a guy who was filming her who was black. That was the idea. So I think uh, I think a lot of that, and then even previously, all the other uh, deaths that have been at the at the forefront of injustice yeah. or racial injustice, it's been a buildup. And uh, I think I just implode, I just imploded and, uh, and I reacted in a way uh, to my brother, uh, who we have since reconciled, and uh, we actually talked again today. And um, I think in order for you to ask the difficult questions, you, I have to be, my posture has to be, brother, I love you, you know, come yeah. on in. And then, but then that also needs to be reciprocated on the other end for you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I say something that offends you, you can address me. And if you say something that offends me, I can address you. Right. It's that iron, that iron sharpening iron. And yeah. and I think primarily this posture needs to be take, taken within the church as well. Yeah. And so that's what I'll say about that. Um, especially when we have more, especially right now. And I think why this is kind of like blown up mm-hmm. because... First of all, everybody's been at home. Yeah. Everybody because of because of COVID and and people their routines have slowed down. Um, I was talking to a mentor of mine in the church about this as well, and just how we really when when George Floyd happened, if that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and there have been many straws that have broken that back, this was it because we were all at home. Um, mm. We blatantly saw a man sitting. In handcuffs, yeah. laying down, face down, with two other people on the other side, whether you didn't see them or not. Yeah, you they know were, they were on the other side. And a man had his knee in his neck for eight minutes and 45 seconds. Mm. And so I think we had to, because we were out of routine, we were all at home chilling, that it, 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 for a moment, if it didn't affect any everybody, for a moment, we had to sit and pause and watch that and say, okay, something is wrong. Right. And then the next thing, the next thing you know is the riots, the, the violence and all that. It just, it blew up because for the black community at, at, the, at the Liberty, I would say, and I'm not speaking for everybody, but I would say this about the black community. We had enough. Yeah. And, 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 and regardless of what you think about rioting and violence, and I'm not justifying those things because they are in and of themselves wrong. We were angry and we 
are angry, I should say. Yeah. Because it's still going on. And so it, it was just a reaction. Now, there are people out there that are peacefully protesting. Yeah. There are people that are out there trying to get elected in, in government positions that are of color. Um, so we are trying to take those steps. But it, it seems as if right now the violence and, and all those things that are going on in the world are kind of hijacking that. And so it's kind of, you know, the media wants to focus on the, the, the protesting and all of that. But but there are people that are still walking and protesting in the in a peaceful manner in the right way. Dude, and that's what so, I think is so sad. When I look at this situation, part of my, my like, rethinking life in the last couple of months is I want to believe the best about people. This is way sure. before this even happened. Just... Anybody, I want to believe the best about people instead of walking into a room and be like, "Hey, idiots, how are you doing?" Like, I'm trying to believe the best in everybody, and to think that everybody is violent, protesting, and uh, or rioting, you know, just being violent is, I think, is ridiculous, and yeah. I I think that, um, like what you said, you're gonna they're hijacking the message, and but it's not even. Like, that's the part that I hate is, like, that's not even their fault. It's, like, the media. I, f- I feel like, you know, that's what gets the most attention. That's what's going to get the clicks. Yeah, not somebody news, yeah. not somebody just having a conversation. Right. Nobody wants to, yeah. like, have that. And so yeah. then we miss the point, and then we divide again. And then we take this 30,000-foot view of how race and politics and people and life should interact from this giant perspective instead of actually getting down in the middle of everybody and trying to figure out... Because I, I, when I read the Gospels, that's what I see Jesus doing. He's not standing on top of a mountain saying, no, you shake hands with him and you... No, he's he, he gets almost crushed by a crowd when he's healing yeah. people. And he has to get on a boat and leave because he's in the middle of everybody. And I think, I think what social media has done for us is made us into commentators, spectators, looking at this at a 30,000-foot view and saying, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right, and we've made this divide. And um, while social media has really helped in this situation, because I don't even know if anybody would have heard of George Floyd if we didn't have social media. Right. <clears throat> but right. but there, there is the other side of it that's just yeah. ruining it, dividing it, and... That's why I just like conversations like this, you know. Yeah, and, 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 and the point to where, let's say, when somebody starts picking apart one person of one incident, it almost, it's, it loses the, the, like, the broad picture of it. It's not just about one incident. Like you mm-hmm. said, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so long, so, you know, so many incidents. It's everything that the injustice that's kind of gone on with it. And that's what just gets blurred because then, like, media or social media just, they're like, well, this person was, oh, they're terrible. This and that. It's not about that. It's about... You know, the, everything that's happened, you know, it's one conglomerate, you know. And so. even if it was about that one incident, okay, even if it was, like the thing that I just put myself in, in, in their shoes and say, okay, dude, if my son, if my son, if a cop had their knee on my son's neck like that for eight minutes, I would be burning that town down too. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I can't help it. Like, so I just look at it and go, yeah, yeah, like, I get it. And I know it's not right, some of that stuff. You know? I, I know some of it's not right. The violence isn't right. But, like, I can I can actually grasp that because I know that's what I would do. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know? I know I would do that. Right. Yeah, I had to calm down because when it when it happened, you know, me and my wife, we, we've mm. been going through this, these waves of, of, you know, protest and, yeah. and then, you know, peaceful protest and then that's not working. And then when this happened, you know, our initial reaction was like, man, I don't care. I don't mm. care. But, yeah. I, but then, then you see people with that with businesses that are being burnt down, their livelihood, yeah. everything that they yeah. work for, and then then you get back to reality. Like, okay, this isn't right. This this is not the answer as well. Right. And so, but you know, at this point, and then I'll also say, people have their own hidden agendas. Right. Um, no matter what color you are in these in these violence and, and rioting and things like that, um, that are also. Like when you, when you when you when you see that Minneapolis, uh, Houston, yeah. you know they already they got their idea of okay they're gonna start looting we need to go to this store burn this down or we need to go get this take it out you know whatever. So, well, even that broader sense of like I watched a guy in Dallas when they're protesting. He goes, I was just at jury duty last week, and he goes, there wasn't a pallet of bricks right here. 
There was no construction going on right here. People, you know, I don't know who's dropping off pallets of bricks for everybody, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> wow. I mean, you, yeah. it's happening. Yeah, like, and stories like that, that, that just blows my mind. Like, this is like, There's the agenda sometimes, and I'm like, what? Yeah. And, and that's, that's in me, like, who I am, is I just want everything to be fair. Like, that's, like, who sure. I am. Like, I want everybody, I want everything to be fair, and I know life's not fair, all that stuff, but in, in me, that's where I, I, I feel it. So then you see this, like, you're taking away from everything that everything that's happened by throwing bricks right here, so that we can destroy more property. And then I don't know. It just it that stuff just gets wild out there, and that's it. it just hurts. It hurts me because yeah. I, I watch some of my friends, and it, it, it just it, it it takes away from what they're trying to say, what their message is, what they're trying to get out and say. Hey, listen, you know. You're finally listening, okay? So, I don't know. That's why I'm, like I said, that's why I'm a big fan of this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, so, uh, yeah. but to answer your question, I guess, yeah. as far as, like, me, personally, um, I guess I can just kind of tell you my story in growing up. Um, so, I grew up in uh, Bloomfield, Kentucky, uh, country, rural uh, just outside of uh, Bourbon Capital, Kentucky, Bardstown, and that's where we live now. Okay. And um, grew up, it, it just uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's like in between like Lexington, Louisville, all the major cities of Kentucky. But anyway, uh, grew up. My mom, my mom is white, and my dad is black. I uh, grew up predominantly in a black home. When we, I have three older black sisters, and. Um, I grew up in this in this small town, and, and you know, I'm the only uh, brown-skinned, black-skinned, however you want to say it, yeah. uh, walking into these classrooms from elementary to, to, to high school, through high yeah. school anyway. And, uh, there, you know, obviously we had a couple of other uh, black students, but for the most part, you know, uh, we, in, at the most, probably five or six, and it probably didn't grow to about 10, 15 until we got to high school, but yeah. uh, anyways. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I guess I didn't know what race was. You know, when you grow up and you're just a, a kid. Yeah. Unless you're being taught this stuff at home, which I don't think it was. Uh, anyway, and my other yeah. my white friends, like we we didn't see color. And so here you here you have this uh, this brown skinned kid growing up in a black home. I grew up also in the black church, uh, befriending mm -hmm. a bunch of a bunch of guys that were who what we would call redneck in Bloomfield, <laughs> Kentucky. <laughs> And I'm out riding four-wheelers hanging out at the farm <laughs> with these guys, you know, and this is an elementary school, and I used to love, uh, there's a there's a kid named Chris Bivens, I'll never forget, um, I think his family still actually lived in the same spot, I used to go over there, uh, I was like around eight or nine, and um, we used to, you know, I'd go over and ride four-wheelers, my first experience, I loved it, I loved that he yeah. had cows, chickens, all that stuff. <laughs> And uh, I used to never want to leave. And we used to be so nerdy. We was into Dragon Ball Z with that feel Hey, uh, now. I like anime. Let's, let's <laughs> stop. <laughs> <doing that. laughs> All right, there we go. Okay, we're done. And so, and so growing up, like, I, I didn't know color. Like, I didn't know, like, until maybe high school. And uh, I'll tell you the first incident of, I was four years old. We lived in a, we moved. My parents had me in Florida, but we ended up moving back to Kentucky. And uh, I was four years old. And I'll never forget a kid asked me, uh, what color are you? And uh, I kind of looked at my skin. And uh, my mother's on the second floor. We live on the second floor, Pine Village Apartments. I looked up and I looked at her and I said, Mom, am I gone? <laughs> and, uh, and her response was like, my, her response, her response, was like, yes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that was my first experience oh, to, awesome. to, to race, anyway, or ethnicity, however you want to say that or categorize it. And then, um, and so growing up again, I'm in all these different circles, and so I have, you know, friends who are nerdy. I have friends who were, uh, you know, athletic because I love basketball. Yeah. Uh, uh, footballs and all the sports. I was on the academic team mm. in, in middle school. Um, you know, was, was kind of like the jack of all trades, master of none, but but I was friending all these groups, people groups, and all of, you know, as far as like what their interests were. I was on the chess club team. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I was doing it all. I think, I think 
between middle school and high school, that's where you begin to form your own opinion about people. And so in high school, um, you know, growing up, this is where my friend groups began to uh, become colorful. And mm-hmm. mind you, we didn't have a lot of color, but at yeah. in the cafeteria, that's where you could find the most color at the table was at my lunch table. Um, and we also had friends at the, uh, and the high school that I went to was predominantly white, but the, uh, the city school was predominantly, well, it had, I wouldn't say predominantly, but mostly is where most of your black students went. Okay. Uh, but I was friends with everybody. But uh, I think it was until I started dating, especially when I got my license in high school, that I started to figure out, okay, uh, I'm a little bit different, I guess. And mind you, again, I'm in all these other people. I'm, I'm at this point, I'm in, the dra- I'm in drama, basketball yeah. team, cross country, running cross country. I was doing it all. I was, you know, still. Uh, you could you could put me at that lunch table, but I was also you could put me at any lunch table because I was just a friend to everybody. And uh, once I started dating, the first girl I started dating, um, we kind of had to keep it on the low. Uh, not so much because of her mom, it was more because of her dad. Mm. And um, growing up in a context where, you know, this, it, it's you can't see it blatantly, but it's yeah. still kind of segregated, the way the town's set up. But, um, you know, we had to keep it on the DL, but her parents were split up, so we didn't have to keep it hidden from her mom, who was very accepting of me. And, uh, you know, you would get the looks going into, you know, McDonald's or you know, yeah. Chili's, yeah. you know, hanging out and stuff like that. And um, once once I got out of that that, that relationship, um, you know, many girls. And, and, and at the time, you know, you know, you're, you're in high school, so you wanted to date all the girls. <laughs> so, but but uh, you know, there were several girls that were telling me like, hey, and, and mostly because I was with these my friends. Hey, I can. My parents said I can date you, but I can't date your friends, hmm. and referring to my black friends, and I never understood. I was like, well, mm-hmm. what, "What does that mean?" And and she was, you know, you never really got a straight up answer. But at, at largely, it was because of racism. It, you know, yeah. my my daughter's not going to date no black. Well, pretty much what it boiled down to. And so um, I knew how to speak. I knew how to speak to to. Uh, white people. I knew how mm-hmm. to, to carry myself. I knew what was expected of me um, if I was to be accepted. Um, and so, but my friends, you know, because they had braids, you know, cornrows was a big thing with Allen Iverson. Yeah. Day, and we wore the, you know, the baggy, the tall tees, and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, you know, we five foot seven, and I'm walking around with a two XL <laughs> shirt on. And, uh, uh <laughs> you know, like, like the music we listened to, just the way we carried, because we thought it was cool, like we just liked it. But at the same time, you know, we were still kids that our parents raised us. We were going to church, yeah, things like that. Yeah. You know, but because of our skin color, that's what separated us. And um, you, if you, like, where I'm from, ain't nothing much to do. So you go to parties. Yeah. There were there was parties in high school, and then you go to field parties. And so whenever they would have these field parties. Yeah. You don't go out. You don't go out to those places if you're black. Mm-hmm. But having nothing to do, you know, you loaded the car up with all your boys and 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 you went out there. And for us, it was mostly black 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 friends. And when huh. we get there, fights would just break out just because we were black. Um, and or you know something would come across like you were talking to my girlfriend and, and, and this and that. And I'm talking like this because really it was a racial issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and nobody wanted nobody wanted to make it out to be that way, but it was. Um, especially with the two rival schools being one predominantly black and yeah. one predominantly uh, white. And uh, I just so happened to be the one at the school that was predominantly white. And so I think... Um, to go further, when I got to college, when we got to when I got to Ozark, yeah, I think you got to Ozark the same time I did. Hold on, I want to stop oh, you. I was going to ask you what you can do. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I want to stop. You can ask your question after I make this statement. You talk about tall tees. You're talking about Allen Iverson. <laughs> I just want to be on record. I I was the only one in my school that had that wore a tall tee. No, 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 no. I I couldn't pull that off. I wasn't. I didn't oh, have that kind no. of. No, no. I had Reebok. 
G unit. You remember the G unit she used? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Loved it. You remember those? No, I'm Reebok so made them. It was fifty cent and uh, G unit and all those guys. They had they he had came out with a pair of shoes. And I'm like, dude, I'm gonna wear those. Those look sweet. <laughs> so no, I couldn't pull off all the rest of the stuff, but I knew I could pull off those shoes. Anyways, what were you gonna ask? I was gonna ask if. if uh, <laughs> Well, um, uh, being uh, lighter skinned and uh, not going to the predominantly uh, black school, did you ever catch flack and stuff then? You know, saying, I guess, you know. You're not, you're, you're not black enough yeah, for Yeah, that us. type of thing kind of going on. No, uh, not, not, from, not from friends, but from family. Oh. <laughs> so, but it was like, it wasn't like, like. Hateful. Blatant. Okay. So what I would say, this is what they would say. So on my black side of my family, my dad's side, they would call me white boy. Like, my grandma lived across the street. And wow. depending on the season, depending on the season, whether I've been in the sun out, been in the sun a long time or not, I'd be cutting the grass, and uh, he'd be like, who, who, who's that white boy over there? <laughs> like, yo, we're playing with me. Or, because I am biracial, and I, in a black context, uh, I got the good hair. Mm. So... So it's not, you know, you don't have to do much to it, don't put no product in it, things like that. Yeah. Um, those would be the things that I would be categorized on the black side. Now, from the white side, uh, and I will say that my, my, my grandparents, on the white side of the family, uh, my, grand, my grandfather was very racist. My grandmother, mm. who is now saved, is, yeah. um, was very racist, and she's not that same woman anymore. Wow. Uh, my, my papa, me and him have had a, a different relationship, and I can always tell I was the... Uh, outcast because he and, 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 and I'll be honest like uh, some of my other cousins are also outcasts as well but he had a stronger relationship with my white cousins than he did me and when it came down more down to just me and him he's just like you know how you doing things like that I go over there go fishing but you know the conver I, ne I, I can say with, with full confidence I've never really had a conversation with him and um, you know it you mm -hmm. know it, it, you could call it upbringing or whatever but but you know, um, I'm I'm this I'm this black grandchild. Mm -hmm. um, so on my wife's side of my family, I'm the black cousin. Uh, but but automatically puts me at default to be cool. So <laughs> so and, and, and that's the thing growing up in you know, white school, the black kids, the cool kids. Yeah. You're not wrong. You know? Yeah. And and, and, I, and those are the things that that people are like, oh Trevor, you're race baiting or you're you know the mm. stereotypes. And I'll I'll mention that. All stereotypes are not bad. Right. Uh, the great the great theologian Dave Chappelle said, <laughs> listen, if, if you don't like watermelon, chicken, and grits, and kool I don't know what's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you if you don't like that. Thing. I don't care what color. <laughs> so, and so, uh, but yeah, yeah, but no flack, no, no really not, not flack from yeah. friends. Um, but I do see in other biracial, biracial yeah. friends that, that, for me, I could fit into any box, but for them, it's like, I don't know what box I fit in. Yeah. I'm not black enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not white enough. I'm not, you know, this enough. And so mm -hmm. um, I think I want to bring it back real quick to the gospel. And in the gospel, you are you are enough, no matter what yeah, right. or race you are. Uh, and that is what Jesus died for. Um to get on my preacher box for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but I see in, 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 you know, you have, you know, we can, we can sit back and watch it. Yes, this is a black and white color issue. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, we can talk about his, the Hispanic population, the Latino population, yeah. Asian population. Uh, and then even within the black context, you have one, one of the things that my wife would say when she was going to school in Tampa, mm -hmm. and down there, you know, you have an influence of Latino, Afro-Latino Afro culture, mm -hmm. Puerto Rican, Dominican, all of those things under the sun. Yeah. And one of the things that, that, that they would say is, are you regular black, or are you, you know, because they have such an influence of wow. other countries that come over uh, huh. right there in Florida and say, well, are you regular black, or are you, you know, whatever else black? And so... Mm -hmm. They, I think, uh, I think if I remember her correctly, like if you're from Africa or I don't know, yeah. uh, Jamaica or uh, maybe I'm, I'm speaking, I'm not speaking for that, that those people, but they don't want to associate themselves with American black. Hmm. And 
I would say because they see what we see. Right. What's going on. Yeah. And how black men predominantly and, and black women are viewed and dehumanized by the media. Mm-hmm. So when we say those things like, you know, they're criminals, they're thugs, right. they're, they're, they dress differently, they talk differently, whether it be influences of movies or, or what have you. Yeah, like we, paint this, we, we paint this picture of a black man without even getting to know him. Yeah. And so therefore we fear him because of all these things that have influenced us yeah. as a society. Mm. That's good. That would preach too. That, the, the, the fear thing too. It, and not just what we've seen on TV maybe, but you know, I've seen a lot of this uh, going around social media too. Like just fearing what you don't know. You know? Yeah. And it's like, well, <clears throat> part of that though is that you have to seek out that experience at some level. You know, and if, if we're just going to sit back and go, well, I'm afraid of it, then then it's no, you know, it's, I don't know, like you're just living in fear. Right. You just, come on now. And so, um, back to your uh, your your story, when you got to Ozark, uh, you had moved, we moved, uh, I, did I get there a year before you did, or did we get there at the same time? I think we got there at the same time. You okay. were transferring in from uh, Briar, yeah, yeah. I was transferring in from... Uh, being in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so so we had met um, at school around the same time, and I still remember some photos. Um, like we were talking about this before. We got that one in the locker room, but I also remember the one, who was the guy that came with you to Ozark? Vance. Vance. It was me, you, and Vance yeah. at Convocation. Yeah. I, that one just yeah. popped in my head like, Oh yeah, we have that picture too. But uh, and I hate looking back at those pictures because everything is like super baggy, and it's just like, <laughs> what was I doing? Like, why was I wearing? Why did I cut my hair like that? Like, <laughs> I, I know both of us because now I'm like, man, I'm like my, I'm like my dad. I'm like taking my, my, my jean shorts, man. I got my, I'm, I own it, bro. I own it. <laughs> <The> shorts. <laughs> <laughs> the shorts. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so obviously a different, different. Even though it's in the Midwest, it's still a different place. You know, even from maybe where you, be, it's not familiar, I guess, right? So you move, you move to Joplin, and tell us about your maybe some of your experiences there as well, and just you know, anything else you wanna you wanna talk about here? No, yeah, yeah. So um, real quick, I'm gonna switch out my headphones. I heard, I hear them dying. Mm-hmm. When I got to Joplin, so first day, me and Vance pulled up, we drove nine hours through the night, yeah. he was driving his truck, I was driving my car, we were following each other all the way to Joplin, and um, we get there, and by the way, Vance, everyone thought that Vance was Hispanic, Vance, Vance's mother, because his dad was in the military, was, um, I think, from Guam, I think that's what he, what he said, so, okay. or no, 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 he was, he was Samoan, okay. so the people automatically, because of the context of being in the Midwest, Thought he was Hispanic, you know. And easy, and just like, just like if I was in Kentucky, um, people automatically put me in the black camp. Right. But if I was in, if I was in Miami or Tampa or down south, like in Florida, there's <laughs> yeah. the influence of others, um, Puerto Rican or Dominican or, or something else, they yeah. would automatically say black. That's wild. And yeah. so, depending on your geography, is what you're labeled as. Mm. Um, and so then, then we get into a whole different talk about like, like. Uh, prejudices or presuppositions about a person based on where you live. Right. But for the most part, it's always been black. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when I got to Ozark, day one, we pulled up, and this is again back to the the Jordans and the, the baggy clothes, and I had on I had on my flat bill, uh, I had on some slides, and we, we we walked down the hill from Williamson to the cafeteria, and I just remember everyone kind of like this like. Not staring, but gawking, like, <laughs> like double taking, like, yo, these these guys are going to come to Ozark, like, they're here for ministry, and, and we and, and, and we and we, were, we were, I was going to play basketball, they yeah, to play baseball, yeah, and uh, um, but you know, coming from Kentucky, we had both been church, we had went to church, sure, we you know, because we're in Bible Belt, so culturally everybody goes to church, everybody knows Jesus, everybody's a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, culturally, yeah, um, and so and so. I remember getting gawked at and stared <laughs> down, get like like a hole through me, 
And then um, we were there for a few months, and then I can't remember her name. Even if I could, I wouldn't say it, but I can't remember her name. I think I can see her face, though. We were in the calf, and we were going through the line, and she said, you're not who I thought you were. And I, this was the first time that I had Whoa. really... Had faced prejudice, being pre- being some prejudices against me it directly, and I was like, well, "What do you mean?" She said, "When I first saw you, I thought you were a thug." <laughs> and I was just, and yeah, and this is before this is before <laughs> thug is being used as the six letter, six letter word that we know it as. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. It. And so I was just like, you know, at the time I was very dismissive. I was like, "No, hey, this is me, good old boy from Bloomfield, Kentucky. <laughs> Get to know me, you know." And so, anyway, and that's what it was. She she got to know me. Because she was on the girls' basketball team, we were on the boys' basketball team. So when we rode together, we ro- you know we went to games. We rode together in those bands. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think uh, this would this would now lead to what I would say about the church. And no matter where your context is, I think that the way that you go about true diversity, because now mm-hmm. I would say in the last couple of years it's became like a um, how can I say this lightly a a wave, a movement, like you have to have a diverse church or multi-ethnic church, or mm. which I'm not, which I'm not disagreeing with. Right. But, but churches are like they're like saying, forcing it. Okay, we got we got to get all these other black and brown people in, so so we can be diverse. Let's check. You know, let's check so, that box. Yeah, and so I, and I, and the people are are think, are using that as a pawn. People are pawns mm. now in the churches, and what they bring with them are is baggage. First of all, yes. and they bring preferences, they bring culture, they bring um, uh, preferences, like how they, the worship style. Um, and so if, if you're a white evangelical church, you better be prepared to address these things. Mm. Or how are you going to work through these things? And so one of the things that I would say about the white, the white church is that it needs to be, if you're, if you're looking for true diversity, one of the things that that needs to happen is it needs to be reflected in your leadership. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So, you know, if you're going to hire uh, a pastor, um, if you're going to hire, you know, what have you, you know, that's where it needs to happen. I'll tell you a story. I don't know the whole story, but I do know a church in Louisville. They basically, because he was my former pastor when I was going to school in Louisville, they gave him the keys, basically said, this church is yours. Not mm-hmm. that it's his, but, right, yeah. but they gave him, he's a black man and he's, he's, he's in, he's in control. And so those are one of the ways I would say would bring about true diversity. I think another thing is um, these things, especially if you're not as in an area that's as diverse, they need to be talked about, and they yeah. need to be talked about behind the pulpit. Um, and I don't want to make I don't want to make this out to be like a a uh, inju- a social gospel, as they say, yeah, or yeah. Um, all about social injustices, because all injustices is what Christ died for. Right. And so I think the way that we understand it is by compartmentalizing, okay, well, this is social injustice or racial injustice or oppression or, or mm-hmm. privilege. And, you know, this is that we just put names of, names to things yeah. to, to understand them. And last but not least, I think is the key. And this is, this is, this was the key for the church in uh, Tampa that we attended um, is discipleship. Mm. Um, once you have an evangelistic component I guess and you, you you begin to bring in others black and brown folk um, invite them into your space yeah go into their spaces go into their homes you know share meals together um, have these conversations like we're having right now um, one of the the, the the best things I heard and it was this morning uh, my, my brother Nolan in, in Georgia had this uh, this kind of roundtable discussion his associate pastor um, Say I do I do this um, when I'm talking to a black person, or we can just insert whatever minority sure. you are. Um, I ask them straight up, right out the gate, what are one or two things that you need to that I need to know about you? And I think I think what that does, and what he said is that this doesn't allow me to be offended. Mm. It doesn't give me the excuse to say, well, I didn't know, you know, and so. I think that that's an inviting conversation. It's a it's an icebreaker, so to speak, especially when you're talking about uh, these injustices or racial injustices or or just what it means to to walk in the in the shoes of a black man yeah. or a biracial man or yeah. you know 
Latino, we can extend this conversation to, to all the black and brown folks. Um, so discipleship, I would say, is key because uh, you're, you're doing life together. Yeah. You're, you're understanding each other. It's genuine. It's authentic. Uh, and that's what, the, that's what Jesus calls us to do is to be in community with one another. Yeah. Um, we see that all the way from Genesis when he was <laughs> making creation. Uh, Genesis, I think, one twenty-seven. Um, let us make man uh, in our image. In my day, yeah. You know, he was already he was already a community with the the, tri- the Trinity. Yeah. Uh, and we see that throughout all the Scripture until we are fully realizing true reconciliation in Revelations uh, twenty-one twenty-two. Yeah. I, I mean, I. I... Yeah, louder for the people in the back. Like I, I, I'm, I'm definitely picking up from whatever you're putting down. I think there's, I don't know. We want to ask you some questions because I think there's a difference. Because I think if we were to poll people where I'm at or where we're at, we say, "Well, I'm not racist. I'm not. There's, I'm not racist. There's no, uh, I'm, you know, overt racist. Like people aren't getting jobs because they're black." Or, you know, that kind of overt uh, racism. But there's these ideas, like you were talking about, that they, they challenge, um, like, our perspective on things. So when we look at the picture of Derek Chauvin with his knee on George Floyd's neck, our first response is, well, what did he do to deserve that? Yeah. And and that is that's racist. Like I I don't like I I'm sorry. Like we I think we've we've given too much. I don't want to say I don't want to say I don't know I don't know how I want to say it. It's just you know. But I just I look at that and I go I I I don't I can't get in with that. Like I'm I want to look at that human being. Like I said, if I put everybody if I if I look at everybody like I look at my son. I know that's really weird, but if I if I look at everybody like I look at my son, it gives me a whole lot more compassion for somebody instead of taking this thirty thousand foot view and saying, "Well, you just need to get like me," you know. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, one of the things that I've heard going around now, and I don't know if we can speak to this or whatever. Maybe it's just me just getting it off your chest to somebody that that might understand. I don't know, you know, but. I don't know if you watch ESPN lately. I barely do because there's nothing on there, right? I try to. But, but Scott Van Pelt said something. He just he said, I just can't understand this. I just can't understand this because I grew up in a locker room. And he goes, I grew up in a locker room and it really, like, those are just your guys. Now, I do agree because I think that if I didn't grow up in a locker room full of different people, Right, you're showering together, you're taking road trips together, you're doing all sorts of stuff together, yeah. and you're you're passing the guy the ball, you're picking him up off the floor like your brothers. Like I get that, but I what I want to ask Scott is, did you ever leave the locker room? Did you ever leave the locker room? Because I think that there's a whole lot of people that were out in those stands that had a different perspective, and I think yeah. what we're starting to gather now a little bit more is that we've got to we've got to. It, the people that are grasping it, maybe a little bit more than they had before, that we've got to do our part now, right? Yeah. We can't, we can't let, yeah. we can't let this just fade out and say, "Well, Trevor, uh, God bless you. We did this interview and uh, have a great time the rest of your life being profiled." Like, what do you know? Like, <laughs> like and I, maybe this is just me just getting it off my chest, but I just feel like there's got to be. What do you think are some ways? Or people like us to just enter into this conversation, maybe, and and help and do some real work. And I, yeah, I, I go because this is like, the thing. I be I go back and forth with social media. Like, yeah, I need to be on it. I need to be like holding people to the feet that are fire and doing all this stuff and speaking truth and love, all of that. But then I also go, but that's like fake. It's like fake news half the time. You know, like I, it's like not fake that I don't believe it, but it's just like. It's so easy to do it and then not have any, it, like, it. it's just a signal, it's virtue signaling. Right, just in the moment. So, yeah, happens. so, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no I just, I just, yeah, he's, he's just, he's just mumbling over yeah, there, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, first of all, can y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, 
virtue signaling. So, okay. Yeah, we don't want this conversation to stop. I think it's going to die down. I, I, I maybe yeah. Hopefully not. I think that, again, going back to uh, all of us are at home and, and seeing these things unfold, that caused us to kind of look at ourselves in the mirror and ask what it re- what's really going on. And so um, practical ways uh, is not, is, and I'm going to say is not, this is one of the ways it's not. Yeah. Now, I think you can, I think those who have got it, have, have you can discern if mm-hmm. they got it or not. But what I'm seeing is is people just posting things on, on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, to, to say, I'm not like those other people that you're talking about that already, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, I, I you know, I, I have black friends. You know, or, or, you know, my cousin is black. You know, and uh, I think, and, and I and I would also attribute to this as well, uh, because because people are reacting and they're putting, they're protesting and they're putting feet to the ground and they're doing the work. Yeah. Um, is that because if you're silent on the issue, and I've seen this on Facebook, mm-hmm. and, I, and I posted about this the other day, uh, they're on Facebook saying if you're silent about this issue. We're not friends. Delete me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it shuts it shuts people down. Yeah. And so and so people that are seeing these things are probably feeling the pressure to say, I'm not racist. Right. Right. And, and, it's, and not so many words. Um, and that, and that's not fair. Again, yeah. it's a conversation. You, you have to be open. We all have to have, have to be open to this conversation. And so, practically. I think, um, and, and we've kind of hit on a couple of them already yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, within the church, and then initially in, engaging in conversation, um, asking questions like, "Hey, what does it? What do I need to know about you um, mm. from your perspective as a black man, brown, brown woman, what have you?" Um, I think for you guys, because I'm going to just go on a limb and say, you know, you're sharing the Thanksgiving table with a white family. Oh, yeah. Correct. Am I correct in saying that? You know, shutting things down, and this is just some, like, little things. Shutting things down, talking about, like, when we laugh at uh, racial jokes yeah. uh, over the table. Uh, you know, we all had that uncle that, that is going to bring something like that to the table and, and share it and think it's funny and just shut those things down. Standing mm. um, and solid. Uh, listening. <laughs> yeah. Very practical. Because uh, I'm also seeing this as well that, that, uh, there's a, I, I'm thinking of one person in mind right now that is trying to answer all these questions for his white friends, not realizing that, honestly, he just needs to shut up. Yeah. Because he's probably doing more damage than yeah. good. And I think listening um, is another way. And, and, and saying, and then being honest and saying, hey, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here to listen and I'm here to learn. Yeah. And then I think that's how we make progress in that way. Um Standing in solidarity with those who are trying to yeah. peacefully protest, and and uh, being a voice, because you know we've been you know we're trying to use our voice now as, as black and brown people, but your whiteness helps when you use your voice. <laughs> yeah, you know that yeah. that you know this is true. This is happening. We need to stop this, and so bringing along our other white brothers and sisters as well. Mm. Um, so what do you what do you say to people what do you say to people who think this is all a conspiracy? <laughs> Just please. You can't say anything. First of all, if they're talking conspiracy, you, you, you can't say anything to them um, because it, uh, those are the people you honestly have to shake the dust off and move on. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it's not worth uh, a comment thread on Facebook to, to go back and forth. But if they're willing to meet, and, and I think that, and it, like I met a. Um, an officer today, he's a retired officer here, here in town, and we walked around the park twice, we got some miles in, we were just having an open conversation. Those are the people that I'm after. Yeah. Uh, or those yeah. are the people that, that, that we need to be after. Yeah. And, um, and just, and that can, that can speak because, you know, he's a police officer, he, he's a Christian first and foremost. Yeah. Um, he, he's willing to understand, but those who are not, that are want to pass it off as a, a conspiracy or uh, this is part of a political uh, well, like, ploy. It just seems to me that I see some people caring more about whether the protests are genuine than they do about 
the issue at hand of systemic overt racism and subtle racism, all, all of the racism against primarily black and brown people. And I guess, I don't know, like, that's why I ask the question most of the time, because yeah. it just seems like because we don't understand or see, we don't want to understand, well, it's conspiracy. I'm trying to make sense of it. So it's probably a conspiracy where, like, no, can we, can we just admit when we're wrong here? You know, be yeah. humble and say, no, we're, we're, we're off here. <laughs> Society is off here. Let's get back on court. Like, boy, I don't know if we're ever on course. But let's get on course. Let's get on course yeah. and let's, let's run after this goal together. Um, man, it just, just grinds my gear sometimes. Like, I can't even turn on Facebook now or anything because it just seems like that's what it is. But I did see something. Let me ask you this question. Uh, just so you can say it, so I don't have to say it, because I don't want to say it. Um, what do you say to people who say, um, yeah, black lives matter, but all lives matter? Oh, man. Please, explain. It's so, it's so tone deaf, and uh, at the core of it, it's hurtful. Yeah. Um, because it's a response to the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. And, and I, here's the thing. Technically... Technically speaking, it it's true. <laughs> it is true <laughs> that, that all lives do matter. But this is the issue we're dealing with now, and has been for, for since since slavery. And so um, it's it's dismissive. Yeah. It's tone it's tone deaf. It's um it's just like I think uh you know I've seen the meme passed around. By saying that that all lives matter in the midst of Black Lives Matter is that all of these houses matter, but but this house that's on fire, you, you guys seen that meme? No, yeah. What I what I say like we've been saying too. There's a couple ways I like to say it. It's like okay, um, we have Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. saying bre- you say breast cancer matter, and somebody jumps in and says, "No, all cancer matters." It's all like cancer matters, or or walking into a cancer foundation and saying, no, all diseases matter. Is it, yeah, is yeah. It, is, yeah. It, is, it, is it okay to yeah, say... That's my favorite one. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it, just... Uh, and I think, I think at the heart of it... can't matter without black lives mattering. Black lives matter, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, I think... Uh, and those are all, you know... I don't get into the sayings or whatever. You know, I understand, you know, black lives matter wholeheartedly. Um, I think... At the heart of it, because it's dismissive, because I would say that overwhelmingly people don't want to deal with this issue because it's uncomfortable. Yes, right. it, it's it's hard to talk about. So, so what my mentor said, you know, he says these are these are tricky waters that we're we're, we're exploring, and so we want to, as the church anyway, as as the white church, they want to kind of, oh, I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. Uh, I, I, I empathize with you on a, on a surface level, but I want to get as far away from this as possible and not have to deal with this. And for, so let's, just, let's, just, let's just move on. Yeah, and for people that don't understand when they get pissed off about privilege stuff, right. that's a privilege privilege that you get to take a break from it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Like, you get to take a break. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have, dude, to, you that's have a, the luxury to be like, I'm not going to get involved. Yeah, that's yeah. that's something that I've said, is like, man, I just need yeah, to take know. a break, bro. This is overwhelming. Yeah. Like, But hold yeah. on. It's 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 yeah. never stops for some people. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, I saw this on, on online, which is one of the good things I saw. It says, the father was waiting there with a big sign. Prodigal sons matter. And the older brother saw it, and he was angry. He wouldn't attend the party. He moped around with his own sign. All sons matter. And it's, the father says, dude, it's not about you right now. And I love that picture, because that's biblical, and it, yeah. makes, and it makes sense in my head. You know? Yeah. And I think that that's what we're probably experiencing right now. Um, and um, I don't know, like... Yeah, just you know, I think Kyle Korver, too, um, the basketball player, obviously white guy, and he's from Iowa, and 
he he finally on Instagram just said one of the things he said that I appreciated. He said, "I kind of what you were saying. I just need to know when to get out of the way. I want to know when to get out of the way to let the voices that need to be heard say their thing instead of trying to be the white police like you know some of my friends yeah. are too. Like, hey, Dusty, you can't say that anymore. Right. And they're looking." Well, I'll, I'll, I would yeah. implore Kyle Corbett to say, no, brother, you're an NBA player. You have a lot of influence. <laughs> yeah. Use your platform. Yeah. Speak speak out on these issues. You know, I, but obviously, it, it probably doesn't know a whole lot to speak. But I'm sure that he's observed it as a white man living in Iowa and being in the NBA. Exactly. Um, yeah. Both so, of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll share this story with you. One of the things that, that me and my wife did, and this was after um, our brother, uh, Philando Castile. Yeah. Um, also in Minneapolis. The brother that was shot in the car that had a gun that told the officer, hey, and his, his girlfriend was filming the whole thing on Facebook Live. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we did, and people, and I, I share this all the time. One of the things that we did is we sold our cars. And... Uh, my wife, God bless her soul, is like a 92-year-old grandma at the very core of it because she wants to drive around in a Subaru Forester. And I'm like, what in the world? Uh, and so uh, we bought one of those, but and that thing, if it, break, if it broke down, like it was going to cost more to fix. Yeah. So we ended up getting a Toyota uh, Camry. But our, our, our family vehicle, we had a Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And... I love that thing. Oh, yeah. I drive. I had, you know, I had all my basketballs and stuff. Maybe, uh, I could hit as many kids as I wanted. Uh, she's like, let's get a van. And I was like, what? Oh, boy. I've been in that a conversation van. before. <laughs> and so, and, and, and I think about it, and I was like, and she was like, well, here's why. And so, we got a minivan, the, the, the stereotypical soccer mom minivan. Um, we put... Uh, a 13.1 mile sticker on the back, and I, and I have read a half marathon. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I just want to make that clear. Uh, and then also, we put you know the the, the family pictures of the the mom, the dad, oh yeah, the the, the siblings, <laughs> and the, the dogs, and uh, because when you're if you, you know let's say we're, we're speed, let's say I'm speeding, yeah, because it's a it's a smooth ride. I like it. And, uh, if I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Out of state or something, and, and not just in my media context in Kentucky, but just yeah. maybe going on a family trip, I get pulled over. What is that officer that's pulling me over going to think if he looks at the back of my car what day he just pulled over? You know what I'm saying? So so he's probably thinking, all right, that's a nice little old white lady. He's about to pull over. I'm about to go, go talk to. And so then when he sees me, oh, wait a second. You know? <laughs> His, his mind, you know, that's just our, that's that's based on our experiences of what we witnessed. And so we want to be mindful of even when, if we do get pulled over, we don't want to be stereotyped. If I'm driving around the Tahoe, sitting on 20s or something like that. Hey, Windows 10. Yeah, you know, Windows 10, you know, because yeah. I do like those. Yeah, know, me too. Those, I love those things. And so I just don't want to be put placed in a box. Yeah. And, and, and things like that. But this is exactly what I'm talking about, Trevor. Is yeah. We just bought a van. My family just bought a van. I hate vans. Okay? But one of the things was, when I bought the van, wasn't, hey, we're going to get this so that we seem less threatening. Right, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, I ne- that never went, and I think people need to hear that. I never bought the van so that I would be less, I bought it because my wife wanted it, and I'm like, this is the stupidest thing ever, I hate them. And, and you're looking at it like, no, this is going to be less, one of the reasons is it's going to be less threatening. I'm like, that's, yeah. that should not be there. Right, that should, that should be not right. be there. Right. Ugh. Right. Ugh. And, and, uh, and so, you know, that's just, and I think um, we're 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 also exhausted from yeah. this. Yeah, right. Because we shouldn't have to explain. We should we shouldn't be have to explain our blackness. <laughs> so we figure we figure people can just get it, you know. <laughs> yeah. and I think, uh, and, and people don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and th- th- that comes with you know the Christmas spirit. 
uh, yeah. love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, yeah. all of those things uh, have to be fleshed out in us as well. And so, yeah. You have any questions? No, I think it's just other than I just, I think I was thinking earlier, is just, I know just to kind of go along with some people that kind of, you know, almost just didn't, don't want to come off insensitive to it because you don't know a whole lot about it. So and that's, it's great to have these conversations because I know I don't know a whole lot about it. And yeah. the, the more information I can to help or just, just to be aware. Knowledge is power, Exactly, man. to be aware of what's going on. And everybody needs that. So this, is, this has been fantastic, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know... Um, I know this is going to be really beneficial to our listeners. You know, I really do. They're the church, man. And um, I just want to thank you for coming on. Because Absolutely. this is just... Just having the conversation, man. Just having the conversation, yeah. no. And I've... I've. It's, it's... I guess, growing up playing basketball. Okay? None of my idols were white. Yeah. You know, like, and, and so I don't, I think there's a lot of kids like me that, that get it, but it's time to say something. Like, they get it. Like, yeah. they, they grew up watching Kobe Bryant. They watch Allen Iverson. They, they can recite every part of uh, LeBron James's career. Like, that's their thing. And, and, but then they won't stand up for the very person that those people are. Right. And I think I, that. I got it. Yeah, I got a friend who's on Twitter, and he was, uh, I grew up with this guy. He actually, he cuts my hair from time to time. White guy. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was on Twitter talking about how, you know, his parents, his parents allowed him uh, to express himself. And he was going into detail how, like, uh, Nelly influenced him. <laughs> yeah. And he used to wear his, uh, his uh, hat, up, his visor upside down backwards. Um, <laughs> he said, you know, fun, fun he said, they call you know, me. <laughs> website 
Um, okay, like Brewsteak? No. They're not NAI, though. They're just NCCCC. They may have been affiliated with both, kind of like how we were with the AWC, ACCA and the NWCAA. Yeah, or like Southwestern, where they're like half NAI, half NCCA. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. By the way, did you watch the Robin 30 for 30? Oh, yeah. Did we play them in college? That school? I don't know. Southwestern? The school that he went to in that in that documentary, I could have swore we played that school. It's a, Wasn't that the school that uh, that uh, Blake Griffith walked in? His friend was the point guard or something like that? Uh, no.